living, living with Jonathan and Katie. Welcome to Living with Jonathan and Katie. I was just thinking about, okay, here's a question. Pop yeah. quiz. Katie French. Of the mid-2000s, of all the mug shots we got of starlets, Nicole Richie, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, Heather Locklear was pulled, was, got a mug shot for pills. Forgot. I hate, it's, I, it's so resentful when these celebrities, they go in and they take really good mug shots. Like, do you remember what they looked like? Who had the best mug shot? Definitely not Lindsay Lohan. She had no. one good mug shot. Her she, eyes were, her, her pupils were like that. Well, she's had many, but she, there was only one time she had a legitimately glam mug shot, and it is when she had blonde hair. She actually looked really good with blonde hair. The Paris was kind of just like, she was just like drunk, as was Nicole Richie. Heather Locklear was on pills. I don't her, remember she, Heather. Her pupils were crazy. She I, looked like she had black eyes, like a vampire who had like not feasted for a while, because they were just like, her pupils were out to here. Much like yours look right now. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, my eyes are dark brown, so that's why they look like that. I don't have blue eyes like Katie French. So on Zoom, they're going to look like vampiric black eyes. <laughs> it's the filter. Mine look In like... person, you can see that I have a dark chestnut-colored eye with a lot of, like, leopard designs inside. Isn't that weird how eyes are, like, leopard or feathers inside? Eyes are, like, either spotted or feathers. Yeah, no. I actually, I never know what to put on my license because if you look at me, actually, do I have blue eyes or do I have green eyes? I always say oh. that you have blue eyes, but I do know in person when you put on certain eyeshadow, they look legit green. They're very, if you look up close, they're, it's literally like blue, green, yellow, blue, green, yellow. So oh, yeah. it no, depends on the day and on the design. Um, but yeah, it's fun. To, I do love like a leopard eye, little specks in it. And what I was telling Katie before we started recording was that I just like, I've been wearing my glasses a lot recently. And I'm just like, now that I took the glasses off for the Zoom meeting, I'm just in love with my eyes. And not so much the color, like the color is brown, it's, it's fine, but the shape of them, they're just so beautiful. I always forget that I have like beautiful almond shaped <laughs> eyes. It's true. Like, they're not like round eyes and they're just like, just this beautiful, like, oh, uh, like, I'm like, these eyes are great. Are you like, I'm in love with the shape of? It's because I have cat eyes because I have that pointy tear duct in the middle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you, um, do you ever do a winged liner? All the time when I, when I do drag. Like drag inside, inside the apartment. I don't go out and do drag professionally. Yeah. Yeah, no, but you I do almost have... always do a wing eyeliner. Yeah. Stunning eyeliner. I have friends who just had a baby and that baby has... Um, it appears to have been born with a full set of double lashes. <laughs> like every time you see the baby, it's like a little baby face. And then it's literally like <laughs> tricks and tail. Like it is crazy. Wait, wait, wait. Glamour, let's give a shout out to the parents. Um, different parents, but oh. very cute. But congratulations to Mark and Jicky on their beautiful baby, Amelia. Oh, I love that name. Is it Amelia with an E or an A? A. With an A. Okay. Well, I have a little, my cousin, Chris, his daughter is Amelia with an, with a, um, with, or no, it's Emilia with an E. Um, so I love that name. Yeah. It's very beautiful. And she's adorable. She's literally, her little face is a perfect little pink moon. She had her little cheeks. She's like I, a perfect little, just, oh, I can't, I'm going to go meet her through the window of their house. Oh, I'm so, the next week. She looks so beautiful on the picture that you sent. You sent me the picture, right? Because yeah, yeah. I also was creeping on Mark 
Mendez's Instagram and I saw these like beautiful black and white photos that he posted of like the pre-birth experience and everything like that. And then after, like she actually like, actually had a photo of when the doctors were like holding her up. Did you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was so cool. It was gorgeous. I'm so happy for them. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of the 2000s, you, any listeners or watchers out there, um, you should tune tune into the El Rey Network. It's a yes. Latino network owned by Robert Rodriguez, the director. And comedian Vanessa Gritton has a show on there called Top Five. And I will be, I'm on it tonight. Um, but they're going to be um, uh, rerunning the episode uh, for the next week. And uh, they're going to be rerunning it a lot. We checked the schedule. So if you have El Rey Network on your cable package, um, or you can find someone's cable code or whatever, watch it. It's just like a fun um, show where Vanessa invites comedians and like funny actors and stuff on to, you know, talk about different things. But th- tonight's episode was fads of the 2000s, which is so oh. us, you know. So, so on brand. And as I was telling Jonathan earlier, I mean, you are the amazing unicorn that was like, I'm going to go into quarantine and I think I'll make my debut on television <laughs> during quarantine. Like incredible. And this was an in-studio appearance too. So it was like, not some like no, no, dumb Zoom. No, 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 no. Well, it, I know it was over Zoom, but it wasn't, oh, it wasn't Zoom. No, no, no. <laughs> they, they can't do in-studio right now. So usually El Rey's shows are in-studio and they usually have like really nice studio because like the El Rey Nation shows, like, like a nice studio. They had me download this special software so it wasn't zoom because they were like zoom is shitty we can't like do no offense to zoom but like it's not good for tv you know so sorry for your sponsorship so they had me download this like demon software it took forever like um which understandable i'm not complaining like to set up so like i had to do all this like technical stuff and like the director was like in my ear but i couldn't see him on the camera it was so weird so they're directing you from like a remote location and they're like in your ear while you're talking to like um in between takes while you're like talking to like Vanessa and then the other guest who's this guy named Hector Navarro like um so it was it was like a legit cool experience to film it um but I was only lucky to get it because Vanessa just thought of me it's her show so she just was like oh I know this person and he, she just like asked me to be on it so oh, that's, um that's awesome do you feel like um after shooting that show do you feel like you and the crew are really family now. <laughs> <laughs> no, Did but you I play any like fun pranks? <laughs> That's what I said after shooting. Uh, I don't know. I think it took like four hours to to shoot the show or whatever. And um, yeah, after those four hours, I was like, guys, I really feel like we've connected <laughs> on a deeper level. And I think like, who wants to go out for ice cream? I, I do. <laughs> they were very be, nice though. Yeah. Um, it must be so awkward for people who like are on sets where one person really wants to hang with everybody and you're just like so sorry I have like another gig or like you know I I mean I guess it's I I think it's just like you know those people who are just socially awkward which I think I could be sometimes but I'm I'm socially awkward in a way where people think I'm mean but I'm just being standoffish right I'm not like saying like fuck you bitch you're a fucking little bitch like I'm not out there saying that but sometimes I won't talk to people because I'm a little standoffish um but some people are the opposite. They talk so much to everyone, yet they just arrive to where it doesn't even need to be like a Hollywood set, like just anywhere. You know, they just got there. People just met them and they're already kind of forcing, you know, those people who like want to force we had, a we relationship. Had 
we had an audition with a certain person once who was like would not stop speaking and we none of us had met her or knew it was crazy I don't well wanna... but that was a little different though katie because she was obviously like just trying to get her little like she was trying to be featured in the audition she was trying to get the part right yeah. but she didn't get that this was like she was just in the wrong audition because she was like an actress and this was really an audition for like comedians and improvisers because she just couldn't keep up and the stuff she was coming up with was like not good at one point remember she was like throwing chips at us it was just <laughs> not good but I honestly felt bad for her because I just felt like she was just this was not the right thing for her you know she wasn't crazy this just wasn't the right thing for her but there are people who you'll just be at like you just met them right and they're like already like trying to snuggle up to you and being like we're best buddies and it's like I you seem very nice, but I just met you, so I can't naturally make myself feel this way towards you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Super creeps. I don't know how to, um, there needs to be a word for those people. They're like. Desperate. Desperate. <laughs> Sad. And that's what we told her after. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh... <laughs> um, how else has your week been? Other than your, your premiere on Imagine where you like literally what if you had sent out I mean it, it is truly so exciting <laughs> that you like had your are having your TV premiere it really is but like imagine if you'd sent out a zoom red carpet party like like invite so that we could all co-watch and then you were like please formal wear only um, I feel like if I did that your boyfriend the very savage Chris Estrada <laughs> would have said like, oh yeah, let's all say that we're gonna go and then none of us log in. And I'm just like waiting there with like my little like party hat with my Your little oh, champagne. I have a rosé right here. Uh, no, but is this my TV debut? I guess it is because this is actual like on basic cable because- This is terrestrial, honey. This isn't online. This isn't Right, this Facebook isn't streaming. Live. Yeah. This isn't streaming because the only other TV thing, but it's, it's not technically TV because it's streaming was out on stage, the movie that I was in. Um, oh, that's two right. Years ago. You're, a, you're a star of screen, silver screen too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they remember the movie, they, um, they turned it into a TV like show on streaming. Like they like- Oh, chopped it up, yeah. They chopped it up and then I think they like put in stuff that was cut from the movie or something and, and put it into episodic forms. But it's on like this streaming app called Deku, which I guess is only for, this is gonna sound problematic, but I guess it's only for like gay men, like it's only content for gay men or something, yeah. which is I think the problem with why it's not like more popular because it's like, <laughs> well, there are other people in the queer community and also in the world. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess I was on that, but I never saw it because I don't have Deku. And I also don't have El Rey Network. I'm so sorry, El Rey Network. I don't have it. Um, so I can't see myself on TV, which is the real tragedy in America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think okay I just had this idea this might change queer culture forever and your yeah. life forever okay on OnlyFans or on like Twitter porn do people like have sex to audio tracks of stand-up the way that on TikTok people lift up oh my god what if people turn like like fuck to your tracks could this nope. change lives Yes, but I think it needs to be the right comedian because some comedians, you do not want to fuck to their tracks because they're <laughs> ridiculous, right? I mean, most of them. Right, but you know who would be great to fuck to? She's a wonderful comedian. She's one of me, my favorite comedians in the world, Wanda Sykes. Her comedy, you could fuck to. She has sexy comedy. You'd have to like, I feel like 
to do it, you, they would need to like kind of role play the scene, I guess. Or like if you're doing kind of a storytelling bit, it's like this one time I got in the taxi and then they'd be like getting in the taxi, but like taking their clothes off or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, who's another? Oh, honestly, Chelsea Handler's stand-up, um, whether you like it or not, I know some people don't like it, some people do. Her stand-up is good to fuck to because it's all stories about like weird, wild escapades and stuff like that. So you could totally do like a, you know, like a little drunk history reenactment and then end up fucking. You should wait. Okay. Cause you know how every comedian is like getting more and more gimmicky with their stand-up. Like one was like, it's a stand-up special, but there's no audience. And then other ones are like, I did it on top of the Empire State Building. You could be the like fuck comic where you maybe make a, a adult film <laughs> adult film of your own stand-up i'm just saying but the, as your yeah, agent i think it's gonna win not sure my boyfriend would be okay with that but um honey he's a featured artist his, you could ass, up. his ass is too big to fit on screen so <laughs> no in a good way but um yeah what do you think about like gimmicky stand did you watch that stand-up special where no there was no audience I watch almost zero stand-up specials, specials, because it in your is, life or in quarantine? Yeah. No, I mean in quarantine because it um it just also is like reminder. No, I mean it, not just that. It's like it's just hard to have the patience to like sit there and watch. Like we've seen so much comedy, I just feel like I don't um I don't know. I just don't have the the patience for it. And so much of it, it's like I just feel like. All stand-up specials can be boiled down to, like, one sentence. You know what I mean? Like, all Burr lately is just like, ah, these fucking liberal, lot of female, uh, you know. That's a wonderful Burr and a wonderful Devin Costa. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's, like, five genres, but um, and all that to say, no, I haven't watched anything. Um, I have been watching a lot of, I call it kitty TV, and that's my cat. Oh, God. He sits in, he sits in my window. My little baguette. He sits in the windowsill. And let me tell you, I'm so annoyed with him. He's so bougie because I got him freaking like dumb cat wand toys so he can like run and jump like a maniac. And you know, they're like, look like birds and whatever. Like I got him a little like mouse that actually it's supposed to like go in a circle, but it literally just vibrates. It sounds very inappropriate on Zoom calls when it's like in the background because it's literally like um, I got him all these things. And the only thing he ever wants to play with is my freaking peacock feathers. That's very, he's, he's homosexual. I mean. Bougie was code for homosexual. Because <laughs> all I've ever wanted to do is play with peacock feathers. <laughs> Literally all he does, like anything plastic, anything beneath him, he's like, ill. But then he'll be like, peacock feathers, love it. And also like my most, ex my most expensive candles. That's what he wants to go like, you know. That's what he wants to sit on. He wants to like. That is little culo. Chomp, chomp on and just whatever. So I'm very annoyed at that. And all of my glamorous breakable decor. But I like that he has taste, at least. But you have a kitten now, and that's your mom. This is my life. Yeah. This is my life. I was just trying to do this call and just having to play with him, and it was like, <sighs> how do you balance it all? How do you balance playing with your kitten and being with on a call? baby tiger. You know what is hilarious, though? I do. Now, this might be, I don't think it's child, I don't think it's animal abuse, but something is very oh, funny. Lord. Oh, funny. Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. Something very funny about him is like, so t like cat teeth, they have like, you know, like vampire, like incisors, yeah. but all of their other teeth are like incredibly tiny. Like they're like tiny little baby mice teeth or something. So when he's sleeping, I do like to like manipulate his mouth. So you can't see the incisors. You just see the like 
square parts and it looks like he has fake dentures in <laughs> like Ew. Is Wait, that, weird? that is weird it's not animal abuse it's just creepy white lady cat st stuff but have you seen the viral uh picture that's going around on twitter right now of the inside of a goose's mouth no are they demon teeth katie they have like they look the inside of their mouth looks like the alien mouth from alien they have teeth very sharp very pointy teeth on the top and the bottom of the inside of their beaks but then their tongue has teeth all the way around on the sides of it they are fucking scary and everyone who's been bitten by a goose has been like legit it's traumatizing and they will bite you and draw blood yeah i have been chased by many um you have in the course of spell work <laughs> you were trying to like conjure the moon and then some goose was like ah! I spend a lot of time by lakes, I'm just saying. Um, no, and I have, I have just told this story in my act before, but this is true. One time I was working, I was walking. Um, it's actually in a parking lot in a complex, or it's in a parking lot near a place that had like, you know how some apartment complex have like moats in them yeah. or whatever? I, I was walking by one and I literally did hear like, mm -mm, behind me. And I really thought it was a cat calling man. And I literally turned around and was like, oh my God. And it was a goose. It had followed me into the parking lot. It was, and it was like, mm -mm, "Girl, that big white ass." <laughs> it literally girl. said, "That's why," because it literally went, mm -mm. and I was like, "Oh man, I'm so sick of this." And it was a goose. So that's a real story from my life. It's just well, you're lucky that you weren't completely devoured by that goose because these <laughs> geese, demon, these geese, goose geese, geese, these geese are not fucking around with their teeth, you know. It's bizarre, and yet, like, whales, I feel like, whales have no teeth, and then other animals have, like, funny little, like, round square teeth. Like, they're all different demons. I love, I love whales. I just love watching, like, nature shows where the whales, like, come out of the water and then splash into the water, and I love their, like, language, and I love, like, they're, like, so, they're, like, the elephants of the sea, like, they're so into their calves and they mourn their calves and they get really sad and depressed and they'll get happy and they like speak to each other through this like sonic underwater language. Like they are magical creatures. I love whales. They truly are. And I feel like they, um, like if you, if you described a whale to me, I would be like, that doesn't exist. Like a, yes. a thing that's like the size of a building and communicate, it's like, sounds so magical. And also you realize why like, in pirate in pirate land but like in pirate in sailor lore like why there's so many ideas of sea monsters because yeah if you were just going and then you saw that thing come out of the water you'd be like what the hell i know although it would be frightening to get swallowed up by a whale just randomly but i feel like they're not really known for doing that like they're actually pretty well known for like helping humans that's what's like really um amazing about them like they're the ones who are like like you heard those stories dolphins and whales are the ones for helping humans like someone's like out in the ocean and then suddenly it'll be like oh this whale just like kept swimming by me the whole time like just like keeping by me you it's, know and i'm like that's amazing that stuff makes me want to cry like truly those like animals help things i knew a girl who so apparently in hawaii like there's whales and you you're not allowed to <laughs> <laughs> there's whales but you can um you're not allowed to approach them but if they swim at you like that's okay like if your boat you know is like among a herd and they're swimming so she knew a guy who like kind of knew their migration pattern so he like positioned their boat so that they were like ahead of the, 
the pack or whatever. Yeah. And so she like hopped in the water and she like swam with whales and there was one and she literally like, she was playing basically like fetch with it. It was like bringing this thing of like seaweed kelp and she would toss it and it would go get it and like bring it like back to her. Literally, can you imagine? That just makes me like want to cry. Getting now, now I feel like we're now getting into an area that I've really been meaning to talk about, um, especially with everything going on. Imagine our world if we were actually more in tune with nature, like how we are meant to be. How how much more like loving to nature and animals that we would be. I'm not saying that there aren't dangerous animals and whales are definitely dangerous. Like they could accidentally swallow you. Maybe they could accidentally like drown you by accident. You know, I, you know, there's different things, but um, more often than not, um, you know, animals are more scared of us. And so for an animal to like be known for helping humans like dogs or dolphins or whales do like, it's, it's like incredible. Um, I just feel like we are missing out on being more in touch with nature and wildlife because like, we have like a direct connection to them. And the fact that they feel that connection to us, where they're like, oh, I'm going to help this human drowning, even though they actively destroy this ocean for us um, every year, it gets worse. Um, it's like, that's amazing that they just innately feel this connection to other living things around them. Like, that's something that I feel like we need more in our society. I have been reading a book on exactly this subject, and it is blowing my mind. And it's about the... Um, like basically the advent of like technology, television, all these things and what it's done to us. And it's, I've literally been like annotating it. Like it's so fascinating, but basically he was saying that a few things that blew my mind, like most of the world was not paved like asphalt until like the thirties. Right. And even then many parts, like there's still like parts of rural Mexico or whatever that like, you know, aren't paved. Yeah. Um, but he was like, we spend our entire life in in manufactured environments like your foot actually never touches ground like most of the time that blows my mind it's great it's it's true that what it needs and what he talks about i know and i know everyone's always like you got to get back to nature you got you know and then some people like city folk are like i hate the bugs i hate this and that but what he's explaining is like when you are not immersed in nature you like one are not in reality because nature is the only like you know and now that we're in an era of like fake news and like you know, opinion as truth or whatever, like nature, you cannot deny nature. Like a tsunami will kill you. A bear will kill you. Sunrises, sunsets. You, these are like undeniable facts, you know? And so he's like, it, it gives you a sense of your place and your context in the world. And it like reduces your ego and your, yeah. and also reduces your ego and also makes you understand how connected you are to the environment. And we have such a, we, we give a lot, animals a lot of credit for like having knowledge or having personalities or having whatever, but he's like, plants have an incredible knowledge that is like astounding. So, thus the whole pharmaceutical industry is like built on plants, you know, I mean, it's plant products. Um, but what really blew my mind was, um, we love this show, Life Below Zero. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. It's about people. It's like a docu-series about people who live in the Arctic Circle. And these uh-huh. are people who are like, basically are survivalists or like they just live alone. And there's this woman there who lives, she's incredible. She is like in her fifties. She lives alone. Her closest neighbor is 300 miles away. Wow. You literally have to like fly in fuel and gas. Like she's like the most badass person. But she says, she's like, look, I do have like satellites. I have weather forecasting. I have all these things. And she's like, I live among nature and I see the bears. She has, by the way, she has 83 grizzly bears within 10 miles of her at all times. Those are the known ones that are tagged. And she's been a, 
grizzly bears? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And she's been attacked, like, mauled by a bear before. Crazy. Anyways. Oh, my God. But she was saying, she was like, I can, like, look at satellites and all this stuff to, like, know what, like, weather patterns are happening or whatever. But she's like, the truth is, she's like, I just go and I look at my garden and my trees because, like, I'll pull a tree and, like, branch off. And if it comes out easily, it means the tree is, like, not conserving its, like, you know, sap or whatever. Right. But she's like, but sometimes I'll go to pull and it is conserving its sap. And she's like, it shouldn't be because it's not supposedly like time for winter. Inevitably, two weeks later, we have a freak blizzard and it like fucking knew. And right. she's like, I watched the bears. They build their dens higher that year. I know that we're going to have a double the, the snowfall. And she's like, no amount of technology is telling me that. It's like completely right. nature speaking. So I feel like it really is about like reconnecting to like, your heart and somebody said too that they were like when you spend more time in nature you like you sink with the heartbeat of life which i thought that was very beautiful right very calming and it's like the only thing that um i don't know it's just such a mystical power that we're so like not interested in people think it's woo woo or worse it's like it's like the most sacred thing on earth and it's the one thing that like all humans do is just destroy it and take it and like rape it basically i'll, I'll and i'll say this the best sleeps I've ever had in my life have always been out in the middle of nowhere. So when I went up to um, like the Sonoma County area, like where your uh, aunt lives, um, I went up there once because me and very funny comedian Rachel Mack went way north of there. We were going to do this cabaret show in Santa Rosa, which is like north of San Francisco, right? So then on the way back down, we stopped to um, spend the night at her friend's house who live into the forest. Like you, we had to drive up these dirt road hills at night in Rachel's little like Toyota Corolla from 2002 or something. And it was like not a good condition car. And um, I was very scared. And there were points where the road got so dark, Rachel had to get out of the car and walk ahead so she could make sure like, oh, the road actually goes this way or that way or whatever, right? So we finally find it our way into her uh, friend's home, which is just like this like dirt driveway, but it's not a real driveway, right? And they have this like gorgeous like home in this clearing in the middle of the forest. And then they have this like cabin guest house and uh, they have a guest room inside the main home. So Rachel stayed in the guest room and I stayed in this cabin guest house. And it's like windows all around and a skylight and it's just the forest and the sky and it was the best night's sleep I've ever had. I literally slept 10 hours straight. Um, and when I woke up, they were like, we were about to come check on you because like, we didn't even know, like, where are you, you know? And I was like, felt so rejuvenated and rested. And the same thing happened to me in um, the jungles of Hawaii. When me and my parents went there when I was 11, we got lost and we had to stay at this Japanese bed and breakfast in the middle of the jungle. It was like we didn't even know that it was there and we just came across it and it was so pitch black dark we had to stop because we were like we don't know where we're gonna go and in hawaii they always warn like if you don't know where you're going stop because like you know hawaii is finite so you could just tumble off a cliff you don't know you know it's just pitch black it was this beautiful like very traditional wooden minimalist um japanese bed and breakfast it was like one of the most beautiful places not expensive um we just needed to stay there for the night i slept on this like japanese like fold out like floor like bed type thing 
and I woke up and it was like the best night's sleep I've ever had. And I woke up and we were just surrounded by the jungle. And it was like one of the most pretty things I've ever seen in my life. Like I'll never forget it. And That's it so is, nice. I, I think as someone with sleep problems. I know. I, I was going to say, people don't know you have like sleep disorder, basically. Yeah, sleep disorder. Like you, can't, like, you can't sleep ever. No, well, like, not consistently. So, no, not consistently. So um, I think there is a connection to my sleep problems kind of going away when I go deep into nature. You know, the same with Joshua Tree in the desert when we slept on that weird, we slept on like the, this rocky ground on this weird dude's campgrounds way out in the desert. I had a really good night's sleep, even though I was in a tent in the middle of the desert. I mean, thankfully, the desert at that time during the night was warmer because it was during summer months. But um, yeah, I think there's a connection to it about nature in some way. It's incredible. Like, and he talks about that too, especially like sleep and your internal clock. And I know people yeah. like, I was like, oh yeah, like light pollution. But it's like, no, it's like beyond that. It's very much like when you should be getting up, when you should not, you know? Right. Um, and it's very interesting. I feel like something that has been really exciting for me is like, since I've moved into my new place, I've gotten plants and everybody, plants are so hot right now. I know everyone's like, I'm a plant mom, but um, I, I feel like I couldn't like keep them alive before. I just didn't know. And now like I've been researching like each plant and like understanding and like they're full on magic. And then I see they're like full on blooming. One like moves to the sunlight, comes back. It like opens, it's called a prayer plant. It opens and closes at night, which makes me like want to cry. Cause I'm like, this is so magical. I know I keep saying I want to cry, which means I'm about to start my period, but <laughs> plants are making me, everything's cry. Um, but it's so, uh, it's so fascinating finding out how they, how they grow, what they like. Even the fact that like, if you have, if you grow lettuce in your garden, it bolts, which means it like comes up and turns bitter. And it's because it does that. So the animals won't eat it. So it can like rejuvenate its seeds. Like that's, that's so, that's amazing. And it, it is true. Like my mom is a huge nature lover and gardener. Like whenever we were going on like family vacations as a kid, she never ever wanted to go to a city, which makes sense because she grew up mostly in the city. But remember originally she's from a rural Michoacan, Mexico, which is like a garden state. It's like a subtropical rainforest state. So it's basically like if a rainforest wasn't in the tropics, but it was in the mountains, right? but you're still getting the same amount of rainfall. So instead of that hot, humid weather, it's this fresh, really cool, wet, rainforesty weather. And so that's where she's from. So she loves plants and loves gardening. And she's taught my dad a lot. So my dad would tell me when I would live in these like dingy apartments, buy pothos plants for your apartment because pothos plants are the best air cleaners for apartments. And you don't need to buy a filter buy pothos plants. And my dad was like, go down to the Tianguis, the little swap meet down the street. He's like, guarantee you they will have pothos plants. And I went down and I bought two for 68 cents each. Um, yeah, they're very cheap. Um, and I would not be good at taking care of it, right? And I would come home and the pothos plant would be absurdly wilted. Like it would look, it would still be green, but it would be dead. My dad would go water it, get some coffee grounds, put it in the soil. He goes, tell me what happens an hour later. An hour later, the pothos plant was like, bitch, I'm alive again. Like, Literally, it's the yeah. most drama queen plant. I have two. Yeah. And same thing, like it, it freaks you out because it will look dead as hell. And then dead. you like water it and it's like, bitches. Like, it's but, incredible. But have you tried grounds of, of it, I, I think it works better if you use grounds of used coffee, used coffee grounds because right. of the moisture the nitrogen plants love nitrogen the nitrogen in the coffee if you put you just get um get like a pinch of it push it deep into the soil water the plant 
within an hour or two, that plant will look like it was just born. Like it just came out of its plant mom's pussy. Like that's what it, it looks like. It's amazing these like different tricks you can use to get these plants to live up. Oh, also it is such a, it is a drama queen plant because we had it in the living room because we have a pothos here in the apartment. And in the living room, it just looks so beautiful, but it was always like, bitch, I hate it here. So its leaves were turning yellow. Literally within two days of us moving it from the living room to the kitchen, it was like the most gorgeous plant ever. It was like, this is where I like it. I like it in the kitchen because I get the most sun. You know? It is crazy. I mean, they really talk to you. Also, I have two of them and I noticed when I got the cat, 90% of the house in my, of the plants in my house are toxic to cats and or fatal. Yeah, I was like, oh no. And I was so afraid because he was like, he was like really lethargic one day, like not like I could literally like pick him up like a rag doll and play with him and he was not responding. And I was like, oh my God, did he like eat? Because apparently, apparently all lilies are taught, are, can be fatal to cats. Wow. Interesting. But so I moved, I just moved stuff around. So like ones he couldn't get, the pothos and stuff. But um, they're, those ones are my favorite too, guys. If you're just getting into plant lifestyles, get one of those. Cause they also, they're like resilient. They'll live forever. I got Rachel one, like I want to say five years ago, she still has it. And it's like, like it's vines are everywhere it's very glamorous so now that we're on touching on nature let's talk about how california oregon and washington the entire west coast is on fucking fire from southern california to central california to northern california to oregon to washington this entire west coast is on fucking fire have you seen these pictures going around today of san francisco yes it looks apocalyptic it's so much. So my aunt lives, as we know, in Sonoma. Yeah. And she's had to like seriously evacuate two of the three years. I went up there after the fires three years ago where like a lot of her students lost their houses. Like it looked like a crazy, it looks like an apocalyptic war zone. Yeah. Like the neighborhoods that just burnt to a crisp and it would just be like a car just like melted into the ground. Yeah. And you, you texted me that. Remained. It was like so crazy. And so my aunt, um, my poor aunt, and what's crazy is that usually these happen, these really bad fires happen in October, um, but they're happening like earlier this year, which is awful. And like, yeah, so my aunt is always having to evacuate. It's very scary. The fire two years ago got pretty, pretty close. Like, I mean, she was, it's so sad. Her aunt, her cat was trapped and um, she finally, would, whatever means. Cause also in all these areas, there's a lot of people. And here's a question for you is like, if you owned a home, would you stay or go? I would go because I just don't think it's worth, not it. worth it. No. But her neighbors are real, like kind of badass people that are like, I, I die on the land, you know. So they, anyway, they went and um, they saved her cat, but her cat was indoors for like I think like eight days and had like eaten through everything. And when she got it, it smelled like a like a full on like toasted cinder, like yeah. his little fur. Because yeah. um, no, of all it, the ash, it was probably collecting in the air and the smoke. I mean, it was like all around them. It was like pitch black. So. But, but these pictures of San Francisco, I have never seen San Francisco. Like, we've had fires down here where the, you know, you, you, I mean, we, you and I both grew up in Southern California. We both have been around when there's been fire season. The, the air in the city looks like it's kind of under a permanent sunset, right? But the pictures that are coming out of San Francisco is like, no, 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 this isn't a permanent sunset. It looks like someone took a red scrim filter and, like, put it over the pictures. The pictures look fake. They look like someone literally just like took the picture through a rosé. It looks so awful. And now we're getting reports from San Francisco that past noon in parts of the city, um, it's just dark basically because there's so much ash blocking the sun. And it's so toxic. It's so dangerous. So bad. It's all because of climate change. Like 
so awful. And another crazy thing is like, because my aunt lives in the forest, um, like when the wildfires come, the, well, two people, my one, I have a friend who's a firefighter and she had told me this too, like when the wildfires come, all the wildlife like rushes, tries to get away. So right. they end up like in your garage or whatever. Or my firefighter friend was like, literally we'll come across, you just come across a pile of bones. And it's like, oh, that was a bobcat or that was a mountain lion. Shit. Like crazy, like, like it's so just common. Burnt, just burnt bones? Just like, Shit. like it's just like incinerated. Um, yeah, it's like totally totally terrifying i don't know what to do like nobody takes shit seriously it's honestly if i were not religious literally i would be like seems like a lot of the apocalypse stuff is happening like it's the antichrist true. is here uh, there's lakes of fire um but i don't know here, it's but really here's the thing bad. though all this type of stuff like really 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 bad stuff has happened throughout history and people living in those times thought the world was yeah. ending too you know what i mean like honestly if no, i was living through world war ii especially if i was yeah. like in europe or or Japan or 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 something like that. Like I would think, oh, the world is ending. Yeah, you know. No, it's true. And also, even back to nature, like fire is part of the the life cycle of these places. Yes, the but problem, it needs to be done naturally, not because someone did a gender reveal party in San Bernardino no, and completely. burned down the entire Southern California forest. Yeah, and we like overdevelop and mess up these places where like a burn would have usually stopped, but like didn't. Right. Um. It's. This is why I'm always like, nature is our God. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, guys, but it freaking is. Although one thing that is a weird comfort, like whenever I do think like, oh my God, is this the you know, end of humanity and stuff? And I know people are like, we're the virus. But I do love that, like give it a hundred years and like nature could take it all back. You know what I mean? For sure. When we die or whatever, it's like, I, I find that very, very beautiful. Like when nature reclaims like abandoned temples or buildings whatever like it really is it's very mystically beautiful it's just so scary that when people deny that the environment is under a threat and i love these tweets that are going around where they're basically like quote tweeting people who have like poo-pooed like alexandria ocasio-cortez's proposal of the green new deal and they did one for nancy pelosi that was that she was obviously condescending to the green new deal and she was like, because, um, you know, AOC and Nancy have um, had little conflicts before because Nancy is very establishment, very centrist. AOC is non-establishment, very progressive and very left. Um, so they're like two opposite sides of the same party, basically. Um, if the Democratic Party was a town, they live on the opposite side of the train tracks. They just, they, you know. But they quote tweeted her being like, uh, yeah, I guess AOC's like, what is it called? The green thing or whatever. It was like some like awful quote, but they quote tweeted it and showed a picture of the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. And it's a picture from a car on the Golden Gate Bridge. All of San Francisco is covered in a deep red uh, hue because of the ash blocking the sun. And then on the, it looks like the Sausalito side is just on fire, just fully a blaze of fire. It just looks insane you know um i mean we really need to do something um soon uh i'm just i mean i know everyone is is thinking the same thing and and going through the same fears but i'm just so worried about what's going to happen if donald trump wins again um what happens um with who wins the house and the senate and honestly even if he doesn't win what are Biden and Kamala actually going to do when they get in office? I'm just so fucking worried about everything because it seems like we're coming down to things where it's like, yeah, so in the next few decades, this 
really is going to be a make or break for not just America, but the world, you know? I know. I know. I met this girl who was like a part of some futurist group and she was like, um, she was like, yeah, I'm part of like this global thing. I don't know, whatever. And she's like, but our goal is to like help humanity survive past 2030. And I was like, 2030? Yeah. And she's like, she goes around the world and finds like top minds to help. And I was like, okay, that's terrifying. And literally look at what nature is doing. Nature's giving us gifts and we're, 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 we're saying, no, we don't want them. Nature birthed little kids like Greta, Thun, uh, Greta Thunberg and uh, um, Little Miss Flint, Michigan. Um, these little girls, they are two little girls. One, uh, this, this girl from uh, the US and Michigan and one from Northern Europe. I forgot what country she's from. Sweden. She's, Sweden, okay. Who are like environmentally minded from very small, from a very young age. When I was 11, I was not doing or thinking about what Miss Flint, Michigan or what Greta Thunberg was thinking about. These are people who are, I do believe that nature is like, you want to fix this? We're, we're giving you people with mm. the mindset to do so. But That's we're, a beautiful thought. Yes, we're, but we're not allowing them to actually be heard. You know, and they're, and they're giving these people these brains and, these, and this thought, you know? Um, That's really beautiful. That reminds me of something you said about um, homo homosexuality. Will you, will you repeat that, that you said that even if they kill you all? Oh yeah, because I love this. I think it's really beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful and it's morbid at the same time. Of course. Like, because homosexuals are not, um, it's not like a, a it, it's in all cultures, right? So it's not a thing where, you know, if you kill all, I don't know, let's say XYZ ethnic group, right? Et certain ethnic groups have been completely wiped off the face of the earth and extinct through genocide. Like there's been native tribes who are gone, right? Um, homosexuals will always keep being birthed because straight people create them. They naturally come out of, of, they are so ingrained in humanity that no matter how many homosexuals you kill, how many homosexuals um, or queer people in general who you try to genocide, and, and even if you successfully accomplish it, you will never ever stop queer people from being born because they're so ingrained and connected to humans of all sexualities, to straight people. They we are connected. You, it's biological. It's biological. You will always give birth. Straight society, whether it's in Europe, uh, the Americas, Africa, Oceania, wherever, you can try to kill the, uh, queer people. You will always, there will always be new queer people being born. We will always exist as long as humanity exists. That's something that's very powerful. Um, you cannot wipe homosexuals off the face of the earth. You can, you can, you can um, oppress them. You can murder them. You can imprison them. You can um, kill a lot of existing ones right now. There will always be a new generation of queer people born because we are part of you. We are connected to you. You give birth to us, you know? So. I always think that's such a beautiful sentiment. It's part of nature. Nature will always win out. You will never um, get rid of, um, honestly, I do think this about um, even just like, uh, people's skin colors and, and features and stuff like that. There's only so many like combinations of like phenotypes that humans can have. It's why like, you know how like the aboriginals of Australia and the natives of Papua New Guinea, they look black, right? When they do genetic tests, they're much more related to Polynesians or Asians from Southeast Asia. Why do they look black? 
they've been isolated on this island and that's how they naturally evolve to look like how black Africans look, right? But my point is, is that nature is always going to um, be repeating these things. Like if you were to kill off, um, let's say, I don't know, for this example, let's say you kill off all blonde people at some point in human evolution, as long as humans are existing, that those features will occur again. It will naturally occur at some point again, even if no one's related to like Europeans or anything. These things are something that nature is giving us naturally based off of the influence of the environment. Um, and to fight it is not only cruel and inhumane, but it's useless. You're never gonna stop nature from producing black people. You're never gonna stop nature from uh, producing homosexuals. It's not gonna happen. What you're doing is just causing uh, suffering and death to your fellow human beings right now, which is awful. But you are, nature will always win out in the end. You know, I it will. Yeah, yeah, which I love that I'm like, don't go, don't come for the queen. Like, you'll always lose. Yeah. You know, you'll hurt yourself. That's the thing too about people who deny this. I'm like, you hurt yourself. Like, even if you don't care about other people, like you're, you think you're going to win, you think you're not going to, going to be saved from the tsunami or the fire or the hurricane. Like, right. no girl, she comes for all of us. And there is a direct link between racism and racist, racist systems and um, anti-environmentalism and disregard for the health of the planet and nature. Because if Capitalism are, isn't inherently anti-environment. Absolutely. But if you hate people for the color of their skin or the difference in their culture or the way that they speak or they look or wherever they come from or whatever reason that you hate them, people are part of nature. You hate nature and you hate what, they, what nature has created. You know, nature has said, um, I have created Black people. They were the first types of humans, you know. Um, nature has spoken and if you keep hating these people that's a form of hating nature you know because they are as connected to the earth as as you or me as the tree growing in the forest you know there is a direct link between racist and anti-environmentalism it's 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 true you know which all i just read how to be an anti-racist and um which he talked about which also that other book i was talking about the nature one is interesting but he talked about how basically even racism is caused by capitalism. Like the whole point of, of racism was, like racism started when they were like, let's make money, you know? Absolutely, um, And yeah. the capitalism is about like consuming, consuming, consuming resources and taking, taking, taking. I mean, I don't wanna break into like colors of the wind right now, but it is true. Like it's, it's very interesting how these like systems are interlinked, but the nature thing has been really, really on my mind. I also like, it's the only thing that like, calms me down or like, I feel anxious like I don't want to watch more news or stand up or whatever like I just want to watch nature documentaries they are so therapeutic honestly um but it, it I mean it's true because what you were saying about racism and capitalism because that's capitalism is honestly the child of colonialism because remember the whole part of the whole point of colonies whether you're making a colony in Africa or the Americas or Asia is only to provide resources for the mother country who is, which I find that term offensive anyways, you're not a mother country of any place that you colonized. You know, you're a perpetrator, you're a murderer, you're a colonizer. You're not the mother of anything, right? Um, but it's meant to only provide money back to England or back to Spain or back to the US, you know, because we're hugely um, colonial and imperialistic now, right? So, um, 
it's meant to only create suffering for the people that you're subjugating and only to create profit for the people who are doing the subjugating. And that's what people don't understand. Like I say this time and time again, if you are a person of color who lives in Europe, you have every right to be there because the money that created these beautiful buildings over the past 500 years of the infrastructure of these beautiful cities was paid for by African slaves, not only in the Americas, but African people that were subjugated in Africa by Asians, by the natives in the Americas. All these people did work, provided resources against their will um, for these big European powers. They have every right to be here. And the same goes for the US now, you know? Where do you think a lot of our money um, comes from? Why? why we um, have so much money to spend on military spending. It's not because we're amazing at business. The, the, the US is terrible, we're in such debt. Um, no, it's because we are excellent at imperialism and excellent at capitalism. The other thing that my nature book said, it's which bad. yeah, which blew my mind is like a lot of justification for capitalism for these systems, right, is like, it's nature, man. Someone's king of the jungle. Somebody dominates somebody. Like, look at any nature program, right? It's like the weak eating the whatever. But this book said, right, that is not true. No. In the jungle, every life form is aware of another, the, uh, the life form. Because lions know which plants they can't fuck with. Right. The beetle knows which, you know, creature it can get its things from. So it's like, it is, it's entirely interconnected. It's not the single solitary creatures like it's entirely this this ecosystem um so it's not it's not hierarchy because if a plant if a plant which is the lowest non-conscious form of life if it can kill the lion then it's actually that's not a hierarchy is it no no it's not it's actually a mobius strip it's a mobius circle it we're all interconnected like you just said you know a lion always has a way to be undid undone by uh, by something small by a very poisonous snake a lion can always be undone by something very small. I think that's also a great metaphor for standing up to massive governments, massive uh, political parties, lobbyists, um, capitalistic, racist systems. You feel so small and you feel so hopeless. But remember, even the biggest creature can be undone by the smallest creature. There is yeah, a way. And, and we are, which, which I told you too, that I'm looking to um, volunteer for the polls um, on election day. Yeah. Because we also it's so easy like oh my god this whole system oh my god big brother oh my god facebook all this stuff but it's like but the whole system is not it's not a monolith it's a trillion little cells people creating these little systems and communities so like one all politics is local you want to start start in your own backyard like that is something you can do it's something you should do like be involved i mean i feel like we all should like it should be reversed like i'm like we should learn like our local governments before we learn about federal government you know that's honestly true and and so many people like i think we talked about this on a few episodes ago when they vote for local things a lot of people are so uninformed about what's going on in in our local government it's the thing you're the least informed about you're always like i know this this and that but yeah so you're voting based off of identity politics i've heard so many people and i'm guilty of this too who you look and you go i'm just gonna vote for the Democrat who is a woman or queer or of color, and I'm gonna vote for them. And it's like, that's incorrect. Because especially like in cities like LA, this, um, the last time that we did a local election, which I think was, um, wasn't that like right before the pandemic that happened? Yeah, I feel like within the last year. Yeah, yeah. When I was voted, this was the first time that I actually researched every single 
fucking Joe Schmo on that ballot. And I've never did that before, right? Um, what I did is I took my dad's advice who, you know, he's an old guy set in his ways. Um, you know, he's this Americanized Chicano dude from East LA in his late seventies. Like, um, he was like, I just take the um, recommendations by the LA Times. But then when I did the research, the LA Times gives voter recommendations for very conservative candidates, even in the Democratic Party. They're very conservative Democrats, and a lot of them don't have good records. So I started to think for myself. I looked into the history of a lot of these candidates, and you know, the candidate that I thought, you know, oh, I'm going to vote for them based off of identity politics because it's this Chicana chick who is lesbian or whatever. You find out that person wasn't a good candidate. He, she has a terrible record, and then you end up voting for this other person who you didn't even take seriously because there's some like person that was a teacher or something. And you're like, oh yeah, well they don't have experience. And then you look into their record uh, working, you know, um, in, in social issues in local government and grassroots campaigns. Like, and then you see, oh no, this person actually would be much better for the job. But what it takes is for you to do the research because not all of these local candidates can get endorsements and money uh, from people in order to effectively get their message out in a large enough way for you to hear from them. Some of them can, and they're good, but a lot of them who can do it are bad, you know, and they're, they're getting this money because um, of deals that they're making and by nefarious means, you know? So I think we need to really take the time to research who's on the ballot and who and why we're voting, because um, we are missing some amazing candidates who people just never give the time of day because they're not popular. And a lot of people slip through like these legacy like council people and stuff like, yeah. and they're kickback also because they know you don't read it and they know you're not voting and you know, you know, this, that, and the other. Like, also I want to say what something else you brought up was a good point is like, whatever their title is and then looking at what they've actually done. One thing about AOC that bothers me is that yes, she was a bartender, but she was a grassroots organizer for Bernie. Like she, and that's like totally chopped out of her narrative. So people are like, she's this person who doesn't know. And it's like, no, she actually like majored in like economics and did like, so it's not this like, it's not like she didn't know anything. You know Of I course, mean? but I also but love, blend, like, but I love that she's actually embraced people being like, oh, you were a bartender. And she's embraced it in a positive way because she's been like, yeah, bartenders, workers, just regular citizens who work just, you know, hard labor type jobs, you know? Um, where it's not glamorous, they're not government workers, just people working as a waiter, as a bartender, as a janitor, whatever. They matter. They are smart. They do have political, they are politically minded. They are capable of a lot. And in many ways, as we're seeing with AOC, they are better for the job than most of these people who are, you know, Ivy League educated or have like a long political history um, because no, remember, completely. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I, I, that is, of course, it's an important part of our narrative, but it's not the, I get what you're saying. The only People, thing it gets buried too, that I'm right. like, she's also quite qualified from her own endeavors. Right. Like, right. Yeah. People um, have tried to use the bartender thing to discredit her. And what she's done is she'd been like, Oh, you think this is a weapon? Okay, cool. It's actually my superpower. I'm a bartender. And this, this proves to me, this proves to people that the people, the workers, are just as um, capable of governing as the people who um, we think are in the governing class. Because there is, by and large, a class of people who we think like, oh, they're kind of groomed to govern. That's not okay, you yeah. know? So we gotta get local, 
we got to go out to nature. <laughs> but seriously, it is like, it is very, um, I don't know. It's the only thing that makes me feel like I have any sort of like control or movement or participation. And again, too, I also try to like comfort myself with like, um, I mean, I don't want us shifting into authoritarianism and fascism, which is like no. real on the edge right now. But like, even within those systems, like there's always been a resistance. There's always, there's never, there's never a like dictatorship that happens and is like, we're a dictatorship now and cool. Everyone submits to us. All no. that happens is everybody's constantly, you know, like backing up to it. Or like even my mom, like my mom works in like healthcare clinics and she would talk to the older doctors like pre Roe v. Wade. And she's like, what, what happened with abortions? And she's, they were like, we did them and said they were miscarriages. Like, so what? I did that my whole career, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, what you're saying about authoritarianism and fascism, it happens in little incremental stages um, until suddenly where it's too far gone and you can't do anything anymore without a major war. Um, and I just fear that that is kind of the direction that we're heading because in the past four years, you know, we've seen so many rights overturned. Women's reproductive rights to get an abortion when they say that they want one, um, they're stripping that away. I mean, listening um, to last week tonight with John Oliver is amazing. And they were talking to um, this worker in Texas, I think. And she had just turned away a 13 year old girl who couldn't get an abortion. And she's like, and so now in order for her to get an, and she's like, and I had to legally turn her away. And she was crying. And she was like, that 13 year old girl she was raped and in order for her to get an abortion now, she's gonna have to drive 200 miles to New Mexico and pay $5,000 and she goes, we know that's not gonna happen. She's gonna have a baby. And um, that's absolutely heinous. Like what's happening on the border, what's happening with black people, what's happening with gay adoption, what's happening with even just gay people trying to aid in the pandemic, can't donate blood platelets, can't donate antibodies, can't donate blood because we're gay and they believe that what's inside us is dirty and that's directly hurting people who are sick in the hospital because you're now cutting a percentage of the population who is willing to donate you're cutting them because of a bias and a prejudice that's based not in fact at all and and the one thing that everyone always says about it is why is there a prejudice against gay men donating blood they test all blood they test yeah, all the blood yeah if it like a, that's a the crazy that is crazy a straight person can go out and get fucked or fuck someone, no condom, for years. They can shoot up heroin. They can still go and donate blood, right? Because they're going to test the blood. So if they have hepatitis or if they have HIV, the blood is thrown away. So uh, why does that change uh, with a gay man? If the gay man does have something in his blood, you throw away the blood. Why, why are you denying gay men from... Um, uh, from donating, you know, and even these new things that they try to do are insulting. Um, oh, uh, now you have to wait a year uh, of abstaining from sex as a gay man in order to um, uh, donate blood, which is so insulting because what that's saying is your sex is wrong and it's gross, but you can be a part of society and donate blood and help if you abstain from this sin that you're committing for one year, and then we will consider you clean enough to take blood. And now they reduced it to three months of abstinence, which is like, I'm sorry, are straight people required to do three months of abstinence? No, in no way. And honestly, it's only gay and bisexual men. Um, lesbians don't have a ban. They don't have a ban on them and trans people don't even have a ban. It's gay men only. Um, yeah. 
it's it's a it's it's an absolute crazy time. I try to not have these conversations, but I kind of have to because if I I I can't keep talking to my boyfriend about it because he will break down crying. There's sometimes that he just tells me like I can't keep talking about this because I just need to it's just stressing me the fuck out and I and I get it. I understand, yeah. you know. I know. And that's why same thing it's like we all shut down and I I tend to paralyze but really trying to um really trying to like be local and stuff what's cool is like um a lot of companies too have now um like which is big especially in like silicon valley like these kind of big ass like capitalist countries or whatever like a lot of them are now doing like mandatory paid um uh, election day paid time off which is usually not the case right. and also a big impediment to why people don't go um so that's really that's very heartening to see some of those things and um i don't know all you can do is just like local freaking in in la these insane heat waves like <clears throat> i've been like saying Sending, like money to water drop LA because like it's so insanely hot and these poor homeless people like it's just that's great I don't know you try guys try to do something one little thing you it's, know it's true and I mean it's I'm just so worried about um the main thing that I'm really worried about I'm worried about a lot of things but the main thing that I'm worried about right now is the election and the voting uh fraud and tampering on the part of the government that's happening with them tampering with the USPS that what really really hit home to me about how far Trump and his administration are going to um, prevent the election from being a fair election is when I just saw that news story that happened this past week here in LA, in Glendale, a truck, an anonymous truck that's not a USPS truck was seen dumping a shit ton of mail into this random parking lot in Glendale and some Armenian lady who has a salon watched it happen, called the cops. Then a USPS manager came to collect the mail and the USPS manager was like, I don't know what this is doing here, but we, I need to collect all this mail because through this mail, I can trace whose route this was and what the fuck happened to this mail. Then the cops start to investigate. They found other mail in alleys all around Glendale, just mail thrown um, out in alleys. So someone is paying some USPS workers to um, take mail, off, offload it so that it can be dumped. And this is being done so that people are not getting their ballots and so that when they finally request a ballot and it gets to them, when they send it in, it's not going to be counted. Because in many states, um, if you are sending in your ballot, um, even though it's postmarked before election day, if it's arrived after, they're not going to count it. It's absolutely insane, and it's absolutely a, a voter suppression in order for Trump to continue his presidency. But what I'm very scared of is if Trump does lose, that he doesn't concede the office, right? Um, and he'll try to stay there, which now will put the entire country into a state of like, is this is a coup happening? Do we need to go in and forcibly remove him? And if he loses, and we find out that he loses, and so many votes were not counted, now it's going to be a point of the other side of what do we do? Um, do we start trying to, do we start another impeachment process to push him out of office? Do we stage a coup? Do people do a reelection? Do, is he going to be forcibly removed? What's going to happen? I just don't understand how much more um, illegal activity needs to be done by our own administration before people step in and go, this is not a monarchy. This is not a king. 
Why can't we go in and stop this? This is a democratic country, but we're losing that status. And we need to I mean, stay it, right. But at a certain point, when is it, when is it worth fighting for at a certain point, you know? But I do, I, that is true. And it's absolutely insane. And like, it, even if this were a democratic person, I would be like, this is of course unacceptable like that's the thing i go even if it was my own team i'd be like no this is a fucking problem for everybody of but, course yeah but i do love the small acts of or the acts of uh resistance being that like all nba teams were like we're turning all all freaking stadiums or whatever in multiple places like fuck you yeah. these are huge these are incredible ways to like move the hand like it's really it's very heartening and at least it makes me feel more um like heartened that like there are people with common sense like there's a lot of people who feel like you do it's not like suddenly right. everybody around you like you know as i've talked about before my grandmother was raised in nazi germany she did actually experience hitler when people are like this is nazi germany i'm like yes correct she was in it yeah. and the thing about that that frightens me i mean everything but something that always trips me out is that like it was illegal to speak illegal to say anything against the government, anything against Hitler. And like they I've told the story before, like they were in the middle of a bombing and her dad was like, why is Hitler doing this? Like he's going to kill us all. And an SS officer popped out of nowhere. No, sorry, not SS, Gestapo in the middle of a bombing and was like, what did you just say? And somebody had to vouch for her dad and be like, he's just crazy right now because of the because we're being bombed. Yeah, like that level. And so also you didn't know what your neighbors thought that you didn't know if they were secretly pro or against right you knew what the SS, you know what the Nazi party officers felt, um, which is another distinction. Like there was like civilians, Nazi party, like those are two different things, you know, and but you couldn't communicate freely. You couldn't say anything. Anything you said, like couldn't would be hold, held against you. You didn't know who was Gestapo. Like, right. So the paranoia of like not being able to go out in the streets and see, I know I feel crazy, but at least there's 20,000 other people in my neighborhood that feel, you know, right. share my beliefs. So that's very comforting to me that like, we're not alone. Yeah. It's, um, it's a very frightening time. I mean, this is, this is an, an insane time in history that um, I think is, I don't think we've been through anything like this in world history because this is not just the US. This is a world history problem. Like this is probably one of the biggest um worldwide crises in terms of not just the environment and the pandemic, but this upswing of fascist uptick of fascist governments around the world since World War II era. I honestly think it's it's as big as that or getting as big as that. Um, because World War II, also that era, there was a major uptick in fascist regimes rising from Spain to Japan to Italy to Germany. There was a huge uptick in that happening. And we're seeing it now around the world. We have the US, we have England, we have uh, Brazil, and we have India, all, um, and we have Venezuela. We have all these governments who are rising as new fascist regimes into power, which is a horrifying thing. Um, and many people don't realize what's going on outside of the country, like what's going on in Brazil with Bolsonaro and their fucking crazy fascist um, president, or like what's going on in the Philippines uh, with Duterte, their insanely um, uh, fascist Ugh. dictator-ish type president. And another thing that I was watching um, uh, on last week tonight with John Oliver that I had knew nothing about, and this came out six months ago only, just so that it was just before the pandemic, was his um, 
episode that he did on India and how India's president Modi um, is now trying to implement a new type of Indian imperialism and Indian supremacy, as he's calling it, and has even cited Hitler as a source of inspiration for what he was trying to do for Nazi Germany. So basically what's happening in India is um, he has, he's now starting to um, revoke citizenship for certain Indians who don't happen to be on a special registry. And a lot of Indians don't know like what requires to be, uh, what are the requirements to be in that registry? And you know, remember India is filled with like lots of different ethnic groups and lots of different um, languages that are native to India, that are native to South, the South Asian subcontinent. But if you don't fit into the like correct classes or the correct ethnic group, according to this administration, um, you are not going to be registered on the national citizenship registry. So the people who are not registered um, are going to be sent to certain camps and housing. And they're now building uh, camps and housing around India to send these like undesirable people. And a lot of the workers who are actually building the camps are finding that they themselves are not on this registry. So a lot of them are like, I fear that I'm going to be back, back here as one of the people like imprisoned in this camp. And um, there's now rhetoric being uh, like, uh, being uh, like propaganda and rhetoric uh, being uh, pushed forth by the administration, like something uh, that they're saying as like a fable for Indian supremacy, which is God created white people because he took the bread um, of humans. They, the humans are bread, right? In this fable, they took the bread out of the oven too early. God created black people because he took the bread out of the oven too late. God learned from his prior two mistakes and created Indian people because he took the bread out at the same, um, the same time, which is now denoting a skin color type to be Indian, which is very dangerous and here's why. People in South Asia and in India come in many different skin colors. There are Indians who are as black as Africans. There are Indians who are as light-skinned as me, who are all native to India and who are completely South Asian. So what about those people who do not fit into this perfect like notion of brown Indianness, who who are too dark or too light, where do they fit in the that equation, right? So Indians are taking to the streets and protesting, and a lot of um, the this whole like registering Indians as real citizens and these people they're revoking citizen. A lot of them are being aimed at Muslim Indians because they want India to be like a Hindu country. And Muslim Indians are not fitting into that. And so they're trying, they're discriminating against them and they're literally building camps for them. And um, Trump actually called Modi the father of India. He just pulled that out of his dry ass, right? And uh, John Oliver made an excellent point that um, actually the father of India is actually, Gandhi is considered the father of India, who preached that India should be a secular nation where anyone should be able to practice whatever religion they want to. Um, and now that's being uh, turned back. And a lot of Indians are in the streets protesting, being like, we feel like a lot of work that, that has been done the past hundred years or more is now being overturned. You know, we like our freedom of religion. We like our ethnic diversity. Sure, there are problems, but we don't want to be on um, this thing of some Indians are citizens and some Indians aren't. Like, it's very Nazi Germany. Like, look at what was happening with the Jews. Um, uh, German people, Polish people, um, you know, uh, uh, 
Austrian people, right, who were citizens, but because they were Jewish, they are now no longer citizens of the country that they were born and raised in. That's, that's exactly what's, um, what's happening in India. And it's, you're starting to see inklings of that um, happening um, here in the US. Um, you know, I was reading a lot of stuff, and I'll, I'll shut up after this. I was reading a lot of stuff about um, unlawful deportations of American citizens that, of course, were occurring back in the, the like, uh, 1930s. But also now, there's unlawful deportations of American citizens now where they're um, not believing uh, documents that the families are coming, like birth certificates, like IDs, like school records. They're not believing these documents and they're still deporting these people back to countries that they have never lived in. And some of them are even people that have no heritage shared with this country. One of the most famous stories was this mentally ill black man from Georgia who was deported to Mexico. Um, he, ha he did not speak Spanish. He had no Mexican ancestry. He had never been to Mexico. They deported him back to Mexico. He wallowed in Mexico, Nicaragua and Guatemala for a long time until he happened to get lucky and run across a US embassy worker in either Nicaragua or Guatemala who took pity on him and started his uh, proceedings at the embassy to get him back to the country. When they finally got him back to Atlanta, they tried to deport him again. And they he won only $175,000 in his court case. That's all he won. Um, so what I'm saying is these things are slowly happening here too that the same things that are happening in India or in China. China is another fascist uh, country that's coming, like what they're doing to the Uyghurs, um, this they've Muslim. Been, they've been fascist, like they've been. Yeah. <laughs> but they're putting, yeah. they're putting Muslim Chinese people because they're browner, darker skin, and because they practice Islam into these camps. And they're trying to like, basically like what they're doing with the, what they did with the indigenous people, strip them of their culture and Chinese, like mainstream chinese them. Yeah. Right, that's what they're trying to do. Like it's, it's absolutely an insane time in history. Like, did you think that we would be living in a time that had more similarities with World War II era um, than with like the 1990s? Like, it's interesting because I personally, because of my grandmother, I have, this has been my big, like when people are like, fear of the future, this has literally been my fear since I was a child, is to live in a dictatorship, like a Nazi Germany. Like right. it's, it was the specter. And for me, like, just because I know my grandma, it was much more living history to me than, than I think, you know, maybe other people. But I, it's literally been my fear always, like a civil war will come, I will live in a dictatorship. And it's not fun to see it realized. <laughs> like, I'm like, fuck. So guys, go work the polls, go help a homeless, you know, initiative in your neighborhood. Like, God. Sorry, it's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's it's just not a it's just not a funny time. And it's and I mean I'm saving my funny for for the scripts that I'm writing and for the occasional Zoom shows that I do because um other than that it's real hard right now to find something um uh funny about anything, you know? Yeah. Unless it's like just absurdly dark that you have to laugh. You know? Oh man. Well, but guys, anyways, guys, um, donate volunteer and watch me on the El Rey network. <laughs> Honestly, if you do want to see me be funny and talk about stuff that's like much lighter, tune into the El Rey network because, um, this episode we're talking about the, the like fads of the two thousands. And I'm actually going to be on next week's episode where, where did we talk about? Um, I forgot what we talked about, but it was something silly and fun. So tune in guys. 
Just tune in, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Yes. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>